From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. How many things have you done wrong in your career? I know it sounds like too many to count, right? Well, I made uh, 537 mistakes growing my small business, and I did six things. Is that exact? <laughs> it's exact. I kept a, kept a journal, and I did six things right. This is Donald. Yeah, my name is Donald Miller. I'm the CEO of Business Made Simple and the author of How to Grow Your Small Business. And when I asked Donald why he wrote the book, he said it really was about those six things. So we, we try so many things in business. We make so many mistakes. Everyone does. And yet what it actually takes to grow a business is pretty foundational. It's what you find after you clear out all the noise and all the confusion and all the things you think you're supposed to do. And that's why I wanted to talk with Donald today. What people want most of all, I think, is just someone to say, that's worth doing, that's not worth doing, and this is what's going to matter, and this is what's not going to matter. That's right. Nobody starts a business to run a business. Nobody. Mm. They start a business because they love a product. They start a business because they like customers. They start a business because they're crazy about their idea. And what happens is if it works, if people want the product and the product is good and their idea is good, they find themselves running a business and they never saw that coming. They find themselves having to hire and fire people. They find themselves having to understand what a profit and loss statement is. They find themselves having to perhaps search for capital. They find themselves having to manage people having to create a, a sales funnel and run a marketing campaign. They find themselves having to run a sales team. They have, find themselves having to deal with compensation. They find themselves having to somehow keep cash flow alive. On and on and on. None of that is what they signed up to do. And then they go back, even if they went to business school, business school didn't teach them to do any of that. Business school prepared them to be chairman of the federal treasury. And there's only one person who gets to do that. And so everything else, I mean, I'm being sarcastic, but we can't remember what we learned in business school. And so I wrote How to Grow Your Small Business because I really believe that if you can manage just six parts of your business well, you're going to avoid 90% of the catastrophes that happen to small business owners. And I wanted so I to want... highlight what those six points were. So by this point, I bet you're wondering, okay, what are the six things? And this episode is going to reveal them. Don and I are going to move pretty fast through all six things. Of course, his book is going to expand upon them greatly. But in this episode, we're just going to give a really important overview of what to pay attention to and what not to so that you don't make the same 537 mistakes, which may or may not be an exact number. All coming up after the break. This ad is going to be different than basically every other ad you've ever heard on the show. Why? Because I'm not telling you about somebody else's thing. I'm telling you about my own thing. I, Jason Pfeiffer, host of Problem Solvers, I have one thing right now that you can do to improve your work and build a career or company you love. And what is that one thing? Well, it is a newsletter that I write 
which is called One Thing Better. Now, because I am the host of this podcast and editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, I get to talk to just incredible people, and I am always absorbing the advice that they give me. And I know it is easy to be inundated with advice. It's too much of it, and with newsletters too, too much of that. That is why I keep it simple. Each week, I take everything that I've learned, I distill it down one thing, one thing better, one thing better you can do. Easy, simple, actionable, put it into practice right now. One thing better, the newsletter brings you literally just that. One way you can improve, one way you can do the work you love better. Sign up for free at onethingbetter.email. Yes, that is the website, one, that is O-N-E, onethingbetter.email. All right, we're back talking with Donald Miller, author of this great and helpful new book, How to Grow Your Small Business. And we're going to talk about these six things that he says are most important in a moment. But to start, I wanted to build off of that insight that he offered just a moment ago, (laughs) where he said, nobody starts a business to run a business, which is true. And so I thought, it reminds me a lot of what I've been saying for years and years about the magazine that I make. So, you know, I, I make Entrepreneur Magazine with the team here, but I also produce a lot of other media, including this podcast. And yet I always say to myself, for the magazine, for example, nobody wants to read a magazine. Nobody wants to read one, right? And nobody wants to listen to a podcast. What they want is the information that they're getting in that experience. And the magazine or the podcast or the whatever just happens to be for them the most convenient means of getting that information. And I always want to keep that in mind so that we don't just make a a song and dance magazine because we like making magazines because nobody cares about the magazine. What they care about is the information inside. And that feels like it tracks pretty well with what you're describing, which is that ultimately to run a successful business, it can't be about running a business. What it has to be about is solving someone's problem or executing a vision that didn't exist in the world before. That's right. And the more time you spend running your business, the less time you spend solving somebody's problem. And the less time you spend creating great content for the magazine and finding great interviews and looking for great advice and how-to and suggestions and great copy and great photographers to actually make it visually beautiful. Instead, you're negotiating with vendors on where you're going to print this issue and you've got some stuck on some ship outside of of LA and you can't get it put to shore and, and so on and so on, right? And that takes you away from the creative aspect of the business. And I think that's the story with 90% of business owners. In fact, as you know, you know very well, Jason, that 25% of small businesses die within a year, 45% die within five years, 65% die within 10 years. They're gone. And I think this is why, because nobody signed up to run a business and nobody knows how really to run a business. We're just not taught how to do it. And then there are a few books on the market that teach us how to run a business, but quite honestly, they're so difficult to install. The systems are so difficult to install. We feel like we're we're spending more time trying to fix our broken business than we are serving customers. And so I wanted to write a book that sort of simplified all of that. And uh, I hope I have. So let's, let's hear the six. I'm sure we could spend hours and hours and hours digging into the details of each, but we're going to breeze through them here. And then of course, people can pick up the book to really extrapolate them. But Tell me the six. What's, what are the six most important things that people need to know? Just take me from the top. Well, again, this is all written in hindsight, and I made so many mistakes. But in, at the end of the day, taking a business from about a quarter million to about 20 million, there were six areas that I had to 
figure out. The first was leadership. And the way I think of leadership is your guiding principles, the vision that you mm -hmm. cast for the organization, your core values, critical actions, key characteristics, a package of guiding principles. The key differentiator that I think keeps a business alive is that your mission statement actually includes three economic objectives. That is, mm -hmm. we're going to sell X number of this product. We are going to sell X number of within this division. We're going to increase leads by 1000%, whatever that is. You never see that in a mission statement. But if your business wants to survive and wants to thrive economically, make your mission statement economic and give it a deadline. And you can call it a goal statement if you want a purpose statement. But what that does is it reverse engineers the entire business around this idea that we are here to make money. And so many small business owners don't do that. They feel guilty about making money. They want to hide the fact that they're trying to make money. And ultimately, I understand that money is given a bad name by a lot of bad people who have money. There are also a lot of people who give money a great name. They build children's yeah. hospitals and they're generous and they provide health care for their employees. So just be one of the people who give money a good name and, and drive your company with three economic objectives. So that's the leadership part of it. Yeah. Let me, before you move on to the next one, I just want to um, offer two comments there and see what you have to say about them. The first is about the money thing. It's very interesting that you say that. It reminds me of how I will, I do regular Instagram lives through Entrepreneur. And I will often be talking about something that we produced. Maybe it's a new issue of the magazine. I'll be sharing some insights from it, or it's my own book. And somebody in the comments is always like, ah, this guy's just trying to sell us something. Ah, this guy's just trying to make money. And it's like, well, yeah, because if we don't make money, then we can't support the business that makes the thing that we're really proud of. But right. also because we're not actually out there just to make money. What we're out there is to produce a great thing. And if you produce something that you think is valuable to the world and it's going to be a resource that or a service or a product that's going to really help people, well, then you feel if you're if you're the producer of that, you feel a responsibility. You should feel a responsibility to get it to people because now you have something that's of value to other people. And I think that people who don't make things don't understand that. And so all they see is someone trying to make money where what they're missing and what I love that you made this point, because I think we need small business owners to be able to really embrace and own this idea is that when you create something of value to others, you should get it in front of them because you can help them. And that also happens to make you money. Well, and if you don't believe in your product, you'll give it away. But if you actually believe in it and you believe it has value, you will you will attach a monetary number to that value that you believe it's worth. And it, the downside is that you would come out and say, look, uh, I don't believe that my solution will solve your problem. I don't believe in myself. I don't believe in what I've built. But will you please buy it because I have a mortgage and I could use some charity <laughs> money here? That, that's the opposite. I think there are the reality is there are consumers, there are people who are wired more as consumers, and there are people who are wired more as creators. The consumers always complain that people are trying to sell them something. The creators are always trying to create something of value that they can sell on the open market. And so I, I, you, what you're hearing from there are consumers. You're hearing criticism from consumers saying, I don't like to be sold things. I would, if I were running a small business, and I am running a small business, I would get every one of those people off of my staff because they mm -hmm. think money grows on trees, and it doesn't. And ultimately, when somebody says, you're always trying to sell us something, that's, that's somebody who's probably a little bit spoiled and doesn't actually understand how an economic ecosystem works while still benefiting from it. They have a job somewhere that is paying them money. And on whatever team they're on, there's a sales department out there selling something. 
So they have the luxury of not having to sell something in order to make a a meager living. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I wanted to note really quickly was building in those metrics as goals is a very interesting thought. And it makes a lot of sense that then allows you to reverse engineer what you need to be doing in order to run the thriving business. The other part of that that you didn't say, but that is built into what you're talking about that I just wanted to highlight is it also lets you know if you're off track, if you don't have a, if you are not growing at a pace, that's actually going to lead to success. It's hard for people to often know that and then to recognize it and make maybe the hard decision to, to pivot or to close the business, which sometimes is just what you need to do. And one of the best ways that you can do that is to set some metrics of what success looks like. And then you can see whether or not you hit them and what to do if you do or don't. I think it's another reason people don't include economic objectives in their mission statement because they don't want anything mm-hmm. in their mission statement that can actually be measured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they don't want to know if they failed. And yeah. I would say, no, put a scoreboard right there in your mission statement and let people know whether or not you accomplish the mission. Make it incredibly specific. And you're right. Six months into your new mission statement, if you are behind, because I think your mission statement should also have a deadline, we're going to sell this, this, and this by this date because mm-hmm. the customer needs it in order to solve a problem. That would be a formula for a good mission statement. We will accomplish X by Y because of Z. X is the three economic objectives. Y is the deadline. And Z is the reason that you're in business in the first place, which is to serve customers and solve their problems. But six months into that, you've got 18 months left before your, your mission statement expires and needs to be rewritten. And you are behind on the numbers. And so you pull the sales team and the marketing team together and you say, hey, how can we get ahead of this? What's going on? And it it forces a sense of urgency to make this small business successful economically, which is one of the reasons, not the only reason, it's one of the reasons we actually started the business in the first place. Mm. All right, let's move on to number two. Okay, well, I, I uh, I love the metaphor of the airplane when it comes to building a small business. The leadership is your cockpit and you enter the economic coordinates that you're trying to head toward in the flight computer. In order to get that plane moving, though, you're going to need a couple engines. And the right engines represent your marketing. And in order to have really effective marketing, I think you need to do just two things. And it's pretty simple, especially for small businesses. First, clarify your marketing message. Don't be confusing. Identify very quickly what problem you solve and talk about it endlessly. More people will buy your products if you talk about the problem you solve than if you talk about the product itself. The product is an after mention. You want to clarify that message. And the second, just create a simple sales funnel. Have lead generators, collect email addresses, email people, let people know, text message people. Get your marketing sales funnel up and running. Most of us don't have budgets for television, commercial campaigns, or branding. We need to do good marketing. That's your right engine, and those are two things that you need to build there. The left engine is your sales engine, and everybody needs to learn how to sell. I mean, every small business owner needs to know how to sell. We hate selling, but the framework that's in my book is all about inviting a customer into a story. And mm-hmm. if you know how to do that, you'll sell a lot more and you'll never even realize that you were selling. You just, you'll just be having casual conversations. Then on top of that, the, 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 that's your right and left engine. The wings of the airplane actually are represented by your products. And you need to constantly analyze your products to make them more profitable and more in demand. And the more profitable and in-demand your products are, the larger the wings on that airplane and the better that airplane's going to fly. The body of your airplane is your overhead and your overhead is dominated by your labor costs. And if you're a solopreneur, it's still dominated by your labor costs because you are the cost. You're the one sucking (laughs) sucking money out of that company. So the more productive your labor can get, the better. Running and managing people, operating, operation expenses, those are very, very hard to get your head around. And in my book, I teach people to run their small business using only five meetings. And if you understand how to man- do these 
perform these five meetings and have these five meetings, you will not need very many other meetings. And it's the all staff meeting, the leadership meeting, the department stand up, personal stand up and quarterly performance reviews. If you can have those five meetings, it solves 90% of the other meetings that you're having and everybody knows what their key objectives are and everybody's working on them in real time. In fact, we've created a companion piece of software to the book and you can literally click a button and see the three economic objectives of your organization, every department's priorities and every single employee's priorities in real time. And so you can click on that and see what everybody in the organization is working on. If your labor is really productive, you're, the body of your airplane is streamlined. It's like a pencil. Nobody's in the body of the airplane. They're all out on the wings and out on the engines making the thing fly. And then finally, the cash flow. And uh, I just teach people, I'm really, really good at making money, Jason. I don't like to manage money. I don't like to read, <laughs> you know, I, I can read a profit and loss statement. I understand it, but it doesn't help me make any decisions. And yeah. I needed a better way to manage my personal cash flow. And so I created a system using five checking accounts. And I just operate my business. I go onto my online banking portal. I see how much money the business has, how much money I have, how much money I've set aside for taxes, how much money I have in my rainy day fund, and how much money I have in my investment account that I can now go buy investments with. And the money comes into the business and starts flowing through those other checking accounts because of high thresholds. And at the end of the day, it is a assembly line that produces profit. And, uh, and so I run my business using, uh, using five checking accounts. Those six things that I just described, I think solve 90% of business problems. They solve your people problems. They solve your cash flow problems. They solve your marketing problems. They solve your sales problems. They solve your leadership problems because you've uh, actually cast a very strong economic vision for the organization. I can't do anything about the hole in the roof of your commercial property, but the rest of it, you're not going to have to worry about. Right. <laughs> There's a guy you can call for that. <laughs> There's a guy you can call. And he has a small uh, business. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's got a good service to sell. So, okay, that was great. Really, really helpful, instructive stuff. D- it makes me wonder, because you said at the very beginning, 537 very specific things you did wrong. <laughs> Share with me some of those and maybe how they led to you discovering the things that went right. What were some of the mistakes that you learned from? I listened to so many billionaires, successful entrepreneurs, YouTube videos of people, as we all do, for sort of inspiration on how they built this thing. And almost to a person, they all said, you know, we just weren't ever focused on money. We were focused on people. And I think that's something that billionaires say after they've been attacked a million times and they reverse engineer their history. The truth is they focused Mm. on economic objectives. And that's the only way to build that company. And if they didn't, then they got really, really lucky. And so I think I over-indexed on culture. I over-indexed on basically creating a sort of youth group or ministry early on. And I discovered that laying people off is very bad for morale. It's the worst thing you can do. And so we had to really get serious about economic objectives. And there's two things that I talk to my staff about pretty consistently. One is that I want us to be competitive. We are going to be competitive. We're here to win. We're here to make the bottom line better and better. And the second is we're here to be caring. We're going to care about each other first, and then we're going to care about the the customer. But I think I've had to fire maybe two or three people, people who don't work out. We find another place for them in the organization where they will work out. We're a very caring group of people. We're not cutthroat. I'm totally against cutthroat. But we are competitive. We are here to make the bottom line. There is a scoreboard in business, and it's called your profit and loss statement. And we we have every intention of running up the score. The main reason is 65% of businesses fail within the first 10 years, and we are not going to be one of them. Because if we fail, you have no health care. You're out looking for a job. I don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage. You're not going to be able to send your kids to the school that you want to send them to. There's a lot riding on us being economically 
economically successful. And so that was the one of my early mistakes is I had too much of what I call a ministry mindset. And I mean nothing, I mean nothing negative about ministry. It's a very, very important part of our culture. Uh, but that's not what your small business is. So that was one of the mistakes right. I made early on. Mm. That was, that's really, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about money and people shying away from it. And I mean, I almost, well, the benefit of a podcast listener will be that they can rewind and listen to what you just said there. I can't do it in real time. But as I'm thinking about what you just said, it just strikes me as so interesting the way in which you have found to talk about the importance of making money in a way that doesn't make it feel like the company's only purpose is to make money. It can't the be. The fine line of that distinction is lost on a lot of people, I think, because if we think of a, a purely profit-driven organization as something that just squeezes people for the automated purpose of making profit, and and yet the reality of it is that if you don't have a company that is built to make money, then you don't have a company, which means that you can't do all the other things that you want that company to achieve. And so I would I would encourage people to go back and like listen to the way that you talked about that because I think that you you thread that that line very well. Well, and, and the and that, controlling idea, the controlling yeah. idea is that the desire and the intention and the dedication to be mm -hmm. economically successful must be held in check by the desire to solve customers' problems. Mm. And if you are if you are taking money from customers without solving their problems, you are more economically successful. But one, you're doing the wrong thing. And two, your business eventually is going to pay for it because you're going to ruin your mm -hmm. reputation. And so if those things are constantly keeping each other in check, I think you are poised for, for serious growth. There have been, I mean, almost weekly, somebody will come to us and offer a truckload of money to do something that is not in our mission and not really in our wheelhouse. And they may even be confused about what we can actually deliver. We say no to that every single time. Not only that, but if I go in and do a strategy session helping somebody grow their small business, it's, it's pretty expensive. And when I talk to them on the phone, I get on the phone with them and I say, look, you know, this is what we charge. I'm more than happy to come in. It looks like you guys qualify that I can help you. If you don't make a 10x return on what you pay me within 12 months, I will pay you back. I will literally, mm -hmm. I will refund all the money that you pay me. Because I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody ever to say Don Miller is a bad investment. And if I pay you money back, you can't say it, right? Because <laughs> that wasn't a bad investment. I gave you your money back. Yeah, I, I, thankfully, I've never had to write that check. I imagine someday I will have to write that check. But that's one way of keeping everything. Say, look, we're expensive. We, we don't apologize for that. However, if we don't deliver the results that you're looking for, I don't want to charge you for that. And I think that's a pretty good way of keeping ourselves in check to make sure that we're doing, we have real value, we're solving real problems, and we don't mind charging for it. Mm. Reminds me of a friend of mine who has a PR agency who turns down the majority of the clients who come to him because he doesn't feel like they are set up for success. Mm. They don't have the story that can be told. They're just, they aren't at the right stage of their life cycle. Whatever it is, he's looking at it and saying, look, you could hire us. You could pay us a lot of money. Maybe we'll get you some mediocre results. But frankly, I just don't see us succeeding with you. And I don't want to take your money because that's going to damage our reputation because you're going to end up unhappy and you're not going to blame yourself. You're going to blame us. That's right. So he turns that down. And I, I always think about that because <laughs> I'm in a position as an editor of a magazine where I, I get pitched all the time and I got all these publicists and they're sending me just the least interesting things in the world. And, and I know what happened behind it. And what happened behind it was that a client came to their agency 
and the agency was just interested in signing the client and they did so. And now they're not going to be able to succeed for this client. And in the meantime, they're sending out a bunch of garbage that nobody's going to bite. And everybody in this chain is unhappy. The client is unhappy. The publicist is unhappy. And the person getting pitched and the media is unhappy. And all of that could have been solved with some honesty and some willingness to say, you know what? Sometimes the money isn't worth it because the reputation and the mission matters more. Well, there are battles that we need to lose in order to win the war. Mm. Right. And so what your friend is doing is guaranteeing a very long run as a successful publicist, guaranteeing quality clients, guaranteeing great placements. He's choosing to make $200,000 this year rather than three and then make $200,000 the next year rather than one and then make $200,000 next year instead of 50,000 and then to still be in business four years later. And to me, to me, that's a that's a very, very good business decision. Yeah. Uh, Don, this has been super helpful. And I'm impressed with the amount of ground we covered when I started. <laughs> I was thinking, well, we got six things. It's, uh, it's hard to get there, but they're, they're, so, they're so simple. They're intuitive. They're, un- they're understandable. And they're really actionable, which I appreciate. And I know that that's just the start. So uh, how can people reach you? How can they get the book? Well, if you run a small business, I put up uh, the digital flight plan that you can use to transform your whole business. It's smallbusinessflightplan.com. You can just get it's Well, we have a digital version that's pretty incredible, but you can also get a paper version there at smallbusinessflightplan.com and go through it. And if you and one of the goals that we say is, hey, fill out these. There's about 15 pages of worksheets and each one of them causes you to transform your leadership, marketing, sales, whatever. By the end of that, it doesn't it's not quick. But by the end of it, we would hope that you have actually doubled your revenue. That if you're a $300,000 small business, you'll be a $600,000 small business, 3 million to 6 million. We've seen that over and over. I've been blessed enough to do that four times and we're working on our fifth time to double our revenue. It gets harder, as you can imagine. But smallbusinessflightplan.com is a plan that you can use to significantly increase your revenue. Fantastic. Hey, this has been so great. Thanks for chatting. Jason, thank you. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. That's all for this week, but hey, let's keep the conversation going. I write a newsletter called One Thing Better, where every week I give you one way to improve your work and build a career or company you love. You can subscribe for free at jasonpfeiffer.com slash newsletter, jasonpfeiffer.com slash newsletter. And if you do, you should definitely reply and say hello. I promise I'll get back to you. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you do not miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.